All right. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, we are, well, I would say four guys, but it's three guys today uh, who are uh, doing a podcast talking about uh, basically our business, what each of us are working on, our various projects, and uh, just generally what's going on. There we go. That's that's my first intro, everybody. That was pretty good. I think that was good. All right, who's going yeah, I first? I think it's a good then? intro. No, oh, well, I was just trying to get through the get to the chase right there, you know, just cut to it. I, I was about to say you did a good job of like making it shorter and then I ended up <laughs> extending it. Oh, no. And now we're seeing even more. Yeah, who wants to go first this time? Um, I'll go first because there's a chance I have to leave a little bit early. So um, basically last time we met, I was gearing up to getting my stuff and then had a had a date for my first video. And I said, the only thing that's going to delay is if my my mic and equipment don't work. And guess what? They didn't work. Um, but the good news is I don't have to buy new stuff. I fixed them. It took days and days of figuring out firmware stuff, but it's fixed. And um, I shot my first video uh, just yesterday. I, I got it all fixed and set up and I shot it and it was um, it was interesting. It was kind of awkward being on camera. Um, uh, but I don't know. I just got over it. It's not gone anywhere yet. So the true awkwardness like hasn't set in. It's something I'm sure I'll get used to. But yeah, so I shot it. Um, had had some issues with the equipment, but got everything I think worked out. I think the audio is going to be the biggest, the biggest thing there. Um, but yeah, oh, I've, of course, I wrote the script for it as well. Um, so I've started editing it and haven't finished it. But I decided to just move back the date like a full week with all those issues. So um, Monday, I guess tomorrow is when it actually will come out, which I'm, you know, I'm glad I didn't have to, you know, buy a whole new set of stuff and then wait for for a while. That would have been quite annoying. Um, but yeah, just um, basically as of tomorrow when I finish editing or I guess I'll probably finish editing it today and then upload it tomorrow. But um, after that, I'll be started, you know, doing the research and everything on the next video, um, which will be cool. Um, other than that, I guess I have like two little topics because again, mine's still pretty short because I haven't fully, you know, gotten to dive into it yet. Um, you know, no content is out yet. There's two topics. Um, um, I was interested in, in talking with you two about, I guess, um, which are um, one I learned a decent bit about this last week, and I'm curious what you think about. So the first one is uh, NFTs. What are your guys' thoughts? Do you know much of anything about them? I don't like them because they're so disgusted by I don't know too much. Okay. I, I feel like I know more than most people, but I probably know enough to have some like really bad misconceptions about them. But my general feelings towards are like generally not positive like so, not nearly as positive as something like bitcoin which is probably the most comparable thing that exists yes yeah so let me let me do a quick like breakdown of of nfts because i was in this a similar boat right um mm -hmm. i've been pretty positive on crypto uh since i was gosh since i was a teenager since my dad first uh you know showed like bitcoin to me way back in the day this is like 10 years ago. Um, and I've always, you know, I've thought, 
you know, the idea of decentralized currency was like a pretty, pretty interesting, unique idea. And it's certainly had legs, right? Like Bitcoin and Ethereum are bigger than ever. Um, but NFTs is just like uh, unique pictures. Like, okay, I get the idea that it's, you know, an artist can make 10 canvases of the same art or whatever. And those are unique. And anyone can, you know, take a picture of their canvas and then have that printed out but that's not the real thing right and artists can tell the difference between that um or the like art you know people i don't know what they're called people who like check on the validity of art and such and it's basically that idea but digital but i was just like okay but i'm not like an art collector i don't care you know um but one thing that's very interesting to me about them is two things. Number one, I think they're pretty dang early. Um, just like a lot of the other cryptos were. And I think they have, they provide a lot more value and have a much longer lasting legs than most people would think. The reason being is because there's a lot, there's a lot of places that are starting to get invested in NFTs because NFTs aren't just art. I think it's important to recognize that NFTs, there are some NFTs that are used as a virtual, um, as basically a key, right? There are, you know, maybe a thousand of an NFT of one type minted. And those keys, so to speak, can be used to access a whole lot of different things. So some games are being built to use like NFTs and various ways to represent things in the games. Um, there are also in real life, uh, actual communities and clubs that are based around, oh, you own one of these 10,000 NFTs. Some of them are obviously for like, the idea is like really rich groups of people, right? Cause obviously some of these NFTs are worth millions of dollars. Now others are not, you know, quite nearly, you know, some kind of yacht club, um, but are more just like, if you own one of these, you know, one of these 10,000 or, or 50,000 or whatever that were minted then you basically, you know, earn the spot in whatever the community is. And obviously it's up to the, you know, the person to determine, you know, how valuable it is to be a part of that community or be, to be a part of that game or whatever it is. But what interests me is the idea that right, our world is becoming more and more digital, right? Our world is extremely digital as it is. And our world is becoming more and more digital. And people want a piece of digital real estate, right? They want to stand out and they want to have, you know, value. And that's the reason I think that NFTs long-term, not just as art, but as basically unique keys to various kingdoms, um, may have a lot more, you know, legs and may, you know, become much, like much, much, much bigger in the long run. Cause originally I was just like, oh, it's just kind of another one of these crypto fads that it'll, it'll be a around for a while, but it's not gonna be like huge. And it's still very much growing. And um, for with all the different projects I've I've seen, there's just a lot of unique ideas that people are using with it. And the idea of something being like a virtual key, right, that has value, um, I, I think that can be used in so many different ways that haven't already been it hasn't already been used in. And so long term, I, I can imagine, you know if you like that let's just take a hypothetical scenario let's say um oh i'm i'm forgetting the the name of the movie it's uh it's it's the movie slash book where like everyone lives or most people live in the oasis which is like a virtual virtual reality world ready player and, one ready player one yeah that's it um and 
in that in that world, right, there's different, you know, worlds, there's different planets, there's different, you know, properties, land, etc. Right. Imagine if, you know, an NFT like an NFT is used to represent being able to access different parts of those worlds, right? Basically real world world money, but if maybe there is, you know, in the, in a virtual world, values of property or access to exclusive areas, right? If those are protected by NFTs, well, those, you know, if more and more people are in VR, right? In, in a VR world, let's say 10 years from now. Well, those, the, the value of those can go, you know, way up. I don't know. In, in To sum it up, I just think it's it's a whole lot more than meets the eye. And I think it's got, you know, a whole lot more potential, which is what interests me in them. So yeah, I'm curious what you guys think given that context. Um, I mean, definitely think you can make a video about it. I I'm a little like skeptical. Like when I when I'm hearing you say like using these to get entries, I'm getting some ideas of some like dark web authentication these being NFTs or something. And I don't I don't know how close or far away that is from what you were meaning. Yeah, I wasn't meaning like dark web, you know, some w really weird evil thing. I'm imagining, right, uh, let's let's throw another hypothetical scenario, right? Let's imagine you're a young entrepreneur, right? Um, you know, you want to build some sort of business. Maybe it's a software as a service business, right? And there's an invite-only Discord with 50 people who have made very successful, con like consistently successful software service, some multiple of them, right? These are founders that have been able to raise, you know, investment money and make, you know, huge companies and then sell them, right? Well, those people, those people's time and their knowledge is worth a lot, right? Because a lot of those people, they're not making YouTube videos, you know, you, you, it's, you know, the famous, it's who you know, not what you know, right? Um, and if you don't, you know, if you're like, wow, I could learn so much and gain so much knowledge of, oh, shy away from this. Oh, you know, when you're starting up your company, you know, look for this, et cetera. Um, and maybe an NFT, you know, having that, having that, um, that key, right, could give you access to this discord that normally people can't get invited to, right? I'm just making that up, right? That's just an example. But as again, it, it's just rec, it's basically a virtual key right to to access to something but that's an example of where someone could have uh gain a lot of value from having access to something that would normally be you know invite only for the group of people who've already you know figured it out and for all i know something like that already exists i just you know don't know about it but that's just a an example of what that could be used for so it doesn't necessarily have to be some sort of dark you know weird thing it could be you know realistic access just like how in real life um you know, there's, there's the, uh, what is it? I think it's like golf clubs or whatever that people will, um, oh, yeah. Like, like country club kind of, yeah, thing. Con yeah. Country clubs where, I mean, imagine, you know, the country clubs where there's these, you know, multimillionaires or billionaires and you're just like this young up and coming guy and you can ask, Hey, should I do this? Oh no. You know, I learned that 10 years ago. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Actually angle in towards this. And here's a little bit of insight. They don't care, right? They've already probably made it. Or you could just not have that knowledge, right? And you're just dive in and, you know, maybe you start with four failed startups. And I'm sure plenty of people do that and succeed anyways, right? But it, you can get a jump start by having access to people with who have a lot of knowledge in a given space, right? I think anyone would agree with that. Um, so, you know, that 
that is that side of things is very interesting to me. See, my only question would be, and, and I say this not knowing too much about the NFT technology and how it works, why it works, and why people are even interested in it, in all honesty. But my question would be, is this technology, the NFT technology, really the, like necessary for it to have some like gatekeep key sort of access? Like, Couldn't you already do that with other infrastructure like why does it have to be decentralized and why does it specifically have to be nfts that are doing this um i don't think it necessarily specifically has to be nfts i think a lot of people like the idea of it being a blockchain and it that way it's always everything on the blockchain is public knowledge right on on the ethereum blockchain so you can see that people have different access you can see people bought these nfts you can see people bought this much ethereum right you can see everything is public but what the access it gives you is private, which I think is a, a decently unique thing, right? Most of the time when people have, you know, invite only or access to something, it's like a word of mouth. So it's private on both ends. And this is an example of something that's public on one end, private on the other. I don't really know. Also, like, you know, maybe there's other places that hold, you know, the, the keys or what have you that, you know, there's other, I'm sure there's tons of other private ways to do it. So I don't know necessarily what makes this super stand out in that direction. But to be fair, I haven't really heard the idea of a very private digital keys to something. Um, I haven't heard them that idea much before, except in a very like simple way, right? You know, a passcode, right? But passcodes are something that, um, you know, it, I don't know. There's There's a little bit more uniqueness to something that, you know, has a very unique like hash value. And can be seen that it is unique publicly, which is just a very, honestly, the whole idea of like the blockchain stuff in general is very interesting. Um, but yeah, so when you say it like that, it sounds like to me that the blockchain, in terms of even having a key or like some gated information, like that technology is better than the NFT. I think NFT where it might shine in the future. And again, I don't know too much about the technology, but I would assume it is like most beneficial as like a medallion sort of thing. Maybe like you attend an event um, and everyone that attended the event got like this little medallions thing and they're like numbered and that might increase its value, right? Because those are limited or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I personally couldn't see it as a key. Um, like l at least I couldn't see it as a key unless it was forced to be it because people like NFT rather than the technology being the drive for why it should become a key, right? Like the blockchain stuff sounds better fit for that. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it is the NFTs are on the blockchain, right? Okay, to be clear. Um, and I think it's it's a mix, right? Because the you know, people want people want people to to hop on to, uh, you know, NFTs and really like believe and dedicate with them. And so I think that's why it's being used. I know some places that are already starting to use it as a, like a private access. Like there's discords focused around like crypto and business and stuff based around it. I haven't actually like, you know, been a, I don't own any NFTs or anything, but I've, you know, I've heard of these things being used this way. So, you know, there has to be a reason that a lot of these people, including some very wealthy people decide to use NFTs as a unique key to, uh, to something. Um, I think uh, there's a big draw to de decentralization. I think a lot of people like that. Mm -hmm. um, but 
Yeah, it's not something I wanted to go super in-depth to because I frankly don't know it super in-depth. But it was something that went from being as like, ah, I couldn't care less about these things to, oh, these are a little bit more indifferent than what I wanted to do, than what I originally thought. So um, I wanted to bring that up and I wanted to bring one one more topic up during my time. Sorry if I'm like taking too long or anything. Go for it. Um, which was, what are your guys' thoughts on what you do with your uh you know if you have it or when you have it um with excess dollars like where do you do you invest it if so where do you invest it and why and not like in super detail i'm just curious at like a macro level what your your guys's thoughts are in terms of where to put your money Currently, for me, because my income streams are less, majority of the money, if not all the money, either goes towards business expenses or uh, courses, um, videos, and books. And that is because, again, I don't have a much as much money where it makes more sense for me is to refine myself, my understanding of things, and invest into the business, obviously. to like The idea is the ROI would be greater, so then in the future, I would probably invest that money into other stuff. But for now, it's all into me, and it's majority of it, like 90% would be educational-related or futuristic stuff. That, that, that makes sense, investing in yourself. Um... Including my question is a hypothetical, like if you, you know, when you have more money, where would you put that? Yeah, I probably, without really thinking too hard about it, real estate sounds like makes a lot of sense or even just buying plain land. Uh, One or the other makes a a lot of sense, but Bitcoin and uh, the decentralized stuff also sounds very interesting. What about you, Leon? Um, So that, that's actually like, weird for me because like we, we've talked about this before like i i wasn't taught like how to like invest money um because my my family's like oh well investing is something like rich people do and we we just didn't have the kind of money for it um and even now like i do but like i do stock trading but any money i like quote unquote get immediately goes back into something else i don't like hold on to any of it interesting um my my family does have some like real estate, but that's because they're landlords, um, and some of which has been absolutely terrible investments. But yeah, I mean they some of these properties they've owned. I mean I'm 32, so about that many years, um, which makes me really like uneasy to own real estate, for instance. I wonder. I can't like see where it goes. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder why it hasn't been good because traditionally being a landlord and owning real estate in that way is a very, very uh, good path to wealth. So I wonder wonder what's going on. A lot of that is more to do with where I live locally, which for people that don't know, I live in Indiana. Um, So the the area I live in, um, the median income has just been kind of going down over time in my area. Hmm. Um, a lot of, even though like we're, we're actually like a bigger city than average. Um, we're mostly like a college town, which means a lot of the employment goes to like college. Um, which means if you live in this area and you don't work in like education, for instance, there's not a lot of really high paying jobs here. You in Muncie? <laughs> uh, no. I, I family in Muncie is, is that's why I asked. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but despite all those things going on. Um, like my, like a lot of the areas, my family owns property, the value has been going down just because the, the, like 
a lot more impoverished people are living there. Despite that, the um, there, there's like a limit on how much the value of your house can raise every year. It has gone up every single year, despite houses in these areas not being able to sell, not being able to rent. Like the people that can live there typically go um, on Section 8, which is like welfare housing kind of stuff. And it, it's mm. just created this like really terrible ecosystem of like the only people that can live here are like really impoverished people, which continues to drive down the value. But the state of Indiana keeps saying it's worth more, which nobody's going to buy it for nearly that value. Interesting. That's some uh, interesting insight. Yeah. And I, I guess um, like maybe if they had bought like fewer houses, but in like better, like more ritzy areas of town, things would have gone better probably um but i i don't know how much like foresight or how things went you know 30 years ago when they started buying these yeah um and for the most part like my my family has lost so much money off of real estate investments because of this there's things outside of their control that just the state of indiana has done yeah that's that's very that's very interesting i i yeah i didn't know that it's funny because here in idaho the the price is like a three bedroom, two bath costs more here than half hour outside of Austin, Texas. Like it's, it's crazy. So it's kind of, I think the opposite here where there's so much demand and there's a lot of people from like California and stuff moving here. It's interesting hearing the other side. Um, as for, um, Oh, was that good? Oh, I was just gonna say that it sounds like they put all their eggs in one basket as well, right? Like they probably could have diversified their portfolio into different states, not to blame them per se, but I'm just saying that there there are ways to mitigate those risks while still, you know, uh, having a solid portfolio that would scale over time. Like if, if you have 10 eggs in different baskets, or let's say you had an egg in each 10 baskets and then one egg spoiled, then the other eggs want to get infected sort of thing. Like if, like if that makes sense, like it, it just... You have to be careful about putting everything into one investment pool. Uh, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say is for mine, like for my future investments, as much as I can, which is a lot easier when you have a lot more money, I want to diversify. I want to be in basically everything, right? I want to be in some, you know, I want to be in some stable coins as well as like gold and silver. I want to be in stocks. I want to be in ETFs. I want to be in bonds. I want to be in gold and silver. I want to be in commodities. I want to be in various different types of real estate, you know, commercial, industrial, multifamily, single family, real estate. I want land. As much as I can, I want my money everywhere because if one ship sinks, it's not like I'm done or I only have one more, right? If one ship sinks, I have seven other ones that are still doing okay. So to me, I want my money. I think my money primarily for the short term is going to be going into real estate. That's where it's gone so far. But um, that's just because that all that has the some of the greatest returns um, for short term. So for long term, I want to throw it basically everywhere. Yeah, that's that's all I wanted to particularly bring up. I think user was next. Yeah. Oh, that was very interesting, Pierce. I'm curious to watch uh, your video coming this Monday. Uh, actually, before we go on to me, what is your video about and what are you going to be discussing in that? This first one is going to be somewhat unlike the rest. So this is an, an older channel uh, that I had as a kid, actually. Um, 
So the first video is basically two goals. It's just an intro. It's explained what I've already explained here. Um, I've already shot it. And it's just basically saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And it's kind of kind of got a twofold purpose. You know, if someone if someone shows up and is, you know, wondering if any context as to like what the structure is and why I'm doing what I'm doing, it'll explain it. And it's also got another purpose for, um, you know, people who've known me, IRL um, friends or, you know, other people who had uh, subscribed to the channel way back when who are still are who are like, what the heck? are these videos about also to explain to them, Hey, this is what, it, this is what this channel is doing now, instead of uploading, you know, whatever I was uploading seven years ago. So, um, yeah, it's just an intro. Um, uh, but after, after this video, um, my videos will have, uh, you know, a much different, more pointed format and probably be more highly edited. So this one is going to be a little bit different, but I figured I needed something that would kind of explain what was going on. So yeah, awesome. not, not, it won't be too, this one, first one won't be too exciting or, or insightful because it's stuff that you and Leanne have already heard. Yeah, it still sounds good. Uh, send us the, uh, the link to your channel. I'll put in the show notes as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah so if you guys want to see it, it will be in the show notes, description, whatever you want to call it. I think I still have a cut. Do I still have a custom channel URL? Yes, I do. Let's go. It's got my it's got my old I haven't changed the uh, the banner anything for it yet. So it's just this is the old old version of me channel. It's so funny. That's um, awesome. Let me, let <laughs> Gotta see it before in. you change the banner. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Mastermind chat. There you go. Now you two are spoiled. That is that is my old channel and my real name. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, moving on to my stuff. So currently, uh, I have everything else still running in terms of the website and the traffic. In fact, the traffic has been growing each each day, which has been really cool considering I haven't touched the blog in about, I would say, two, three, maybe four months. So I mean, that's just the nature of blogging is that your content grows over about eight months after you wrote it. So now I'm in the period where my older content is starting to you know, rank, and then that's going to bring in some traffic, which is nice. And I'm seeing that growth each and every day. In addition to that, I, the book deadline, unfortunately, I am going to push it back. I, the idea was it for it to launch in October 20th, but then I've been having some issues getting all the editing done in time. Um, it's taking a much longer than I wanted to. Plus I had a contractor that couldn't make the deadline, but if I pushed it, he was able to um, meet up with it. So I ended up deciding to push it. Uh, me and Leon were actually talking about this uh, separately and he made a really good point. The fact that because my marketing hasn't really launched to a degree, it's not like anyone's really expecting October 20th as the deadline. I mean, there are some people and I've already gone on podcast and share that deadline. So that is unfortunate. And all my podcasts like scheduling are all for that week anyways, like as a big launch. But I think it's better to wait it out the editing because the last thing I want to do is launch the book and it not to be the degree that I wanted to be versus if I just waited two weeks and did a little bit extra work that it would move into a degree that I wanted. So that is still rolling out and I'm still working on that. On the uh, other side, I'm working on the business model that I'll be developing with 2022 with Esports How. 
as we discussed last time, I believe we discussed this last time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did we discuss the uh, business model being like a no risk solution? A job in esports. Um, I don't remember you using that term. Yeah, the no risk solution. I'm not. I don't think you mentioned that. Last okay. Time. So the idea with the business model then is currently I'm looking to get people a job in the esport industry. Ideally, these will be students, uh, university students, looking to get entry level work. And the idea initially was a no resolution, so you pay nothing. And then you join the program, uh, work with me one-on-one, -on -one, and we have some services. Logistics haven't been decided, so I don't know specifically what that program would look like, what services are specifically providing you, but I'm building that out and determining exactly what that will be. And then at the end, if they get a job, they would um, pay me a portion of their salary over time. So that, that was the initial idea. I've had some conversations with some people and the there's two key issues with it. Um, is one, people that don't pay majority of the time or rather by not putting a fee or I'm going to get a lot of what they call tire kickers or people that are like a lead that isn't just going to buy no matter what you do because it's free people will take it on essentially and not put in the work and then I'll invest time and effort and resources into the individual or if they're not trying obviously to get a job or they're not putting their heart into it then it just like it's a waste of my time so if I put a little bit of a fee up front um, then it would, and this could be a refundable fee even. It just needs to be something that people pay up front so then there is that barrier of entry. So you have to make some commitment to getting a job. And then two, the second issue was the idea of actually having people to pay once they get a job because the biggest issue I heard was, let's say people had to pay like $1,000. Let's just say, just as randomly speaking, um, to get it after they get a job. The idea could be that they say, no, I'm not paying you this money after all. And I'll be like, you know, pay, pay me the money. They'd be like, okay, sue me. And then if I try to sue them, you know, the four or five hours of a lawyer would cost more than the thousand dollars. Therefore, it wouldn't even make sense to sue them. Right. right. So that, that was the biggest issue with the business model. And the idea was that maybe I had to rework the business model. And then re or yesterday, rather, I had a call with uh, a group coaching that I'm also in. And they were telling me about a service called Leaf. And essentially, and other people within that coaching call actually use the service. So I need to talk to them a bit more about it. But what they were saying was that Leaf service would mitigate the lawyer-related issues. So I need to look more into that service. But assuming it's true, I can essentially still create the no-risk solution. Where, and I really like this because people are only paying once they get a job. And, you know, once everything works out and because they're also students that likely don't have money, they're only going to be paying a percentage of what they're getting anyways. So, like, I can obviously charge more because it's a percentage of what they're getting. In addition, they have like no risk and no downside to the individual because they're not paying anything. Now it's obviously comes down to figuring out the logistics of what I'll essentially be providing them, what that resources would look like, what that process would look like. Um, and how do I ensure that they're moving in the right direction? How do I figure out timelines? How do I figure out what they're struggling on and what we need to build out? Like all those smaller elements need to be determined, but that's currently what I have for the business model. I don't know what everyone's thoughts are on that end. I could see quite a bit of difficulty with, with that, um, with the, the, them paying, I, I just, 
you know, people not paying, the lawyers get involved. You know, even if you have a system set up in between, right? How are you going to guarantee that someone's going to be like, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't go through your thing. I just yeah. got a job in esports. I don't know what your thing is, even though they did like take it, right? So, uh, I mean, a similar business model, which I'm not sure, I'm not sure, maybe you've already thought, thought through this, is um, acting in a way as a virtual recruiter and having the company that they end up working for in esports paying you for the lead of them as an employee. And that's something that recruiters do nowadays anyways, right? So instead of it coming out of the individual's pocket, it comes out of that orgs or that company's pocket. Yeah, that was actually, I, I already thought of that idea. And the issue with that idea is because assuming I'm actually obviously getting the individual and training them up, is I'll have essentially two target demographics, two audiences that I'll have to cater to. And then make it very, very complicated in the sense that I'll have to a, attract individuals to want to be trained. And then I have to also reach out to companies and then also convince them why they need my services and my recruiting and my training over their own. And then once I have both in place, now I'll have to make sure because culture fit is a very big issue within um, general businesses and they lose a lot of money with culture fit. So let's say I have some opportunities lined up with companies and I like first I have to make sure I have enough inflow of people coming in that I can fit the culture. But assuming I'm not even confident in the individual's um, the individual's cultural perception and ability to go through like I, I'll have to. It'll, essentially put me in a situation where if some people go come in that aren't um, fitting, like they're, they're good individuals or work, hard workers, but they're not exactly what the company is looking for. Like it's, it's going to be much harder. It's not impossible, but it's going to be much harder. But as for the um, legal related issue, uh, like I mentioned, there's a service called leaf. Let me get the link for it. But apparently what they do is that through educational programs, um, people that come in, they sign up through their program and then the payment issue doesn't become so much of a problem. I'm not sure the logistics of it just yet. Again, I need to talk to some people that have already used it and I need to talk to the company itself. But from my understanding, this should mitigate old legal related issues of once they get a job. Again, I don't know the specifics of how they're doing this and I need to figure that out and need to figure out if there's loopholes or not. But assuming it works well and what I've heard so far is that people haven't had issues with the service. That it could mitigate that problem. Yeah, no, I mean, I think either one comes with a lot of potential logistical problems that you're going to have to deal with. But if if that is something that you're you're willing to take on, I'm much more bigger fan of like money upfront for things like this. But you know that to each their own. We'll, we'll see how it goes. No, I yeah, it, I I think it'll. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I think it'll be a lot easier to get money from people up front rather than later on. But on the other side of that, asking for money up front is going to turn a bunch of people away. Like, not, not just people that, like, wouldn't work on it. Like, a lot of people will just see, like, oh, there's a, a fee on this, and they'll immediately, like, close the webpage and do, like, not read anything else into it. Yeah, it's... It is interesting, and I know money upfront is always better just in business in general because you have capital that can be reinvested in things, and there's also no risk in terms of once you have the 
consumer, then the money is in already, right? Like if the versus the model that I'm trying to run here, where now my company would be enduring a lot of risk because we're basing it on a maybe sort of situation. So I a hundred percent can see the problem with it. It's see the biggest issue is also the demographic is just people that don't have too much money, uh, university students, with, you know, college debt, and they're like, they, they will have some money, which it will be the upfront payment that they will make. They'll, like they'll have to make some form of payment that will be a barrier of entry, but it's just like, like making bigger ticket sort of payments is going to be much harder um, as they don't have a job. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, you, you could also try to do, especially if you're looking for like university students who may not pay as much, you can offer certain like quote unquote scholarship type deals for people like that who can't pay as much. Like that's always an opportunity. Like I pay scholarships for them. So not you're paying their scholarship, like a scholarship to your program. So you would let those people at like a reduced cost or say, well, I'll fold, you know, 80% of this myself, which since it's your own money doesn't really go anywhere. I don't, I don't know how that affects taxes in any way though. Um, but I think um, like the, what, what, who did it? The esports certification program thing ECI. did stuff like that too. Yeah, that's because I was really mad I didn't qualify for that. <laughs> well, they shut it down early, so doesn't matter. Oh, is it shut down? Yeah, they shut it down yeah. after like a few hours when they launched. What? Yeah, there was a we... whole whole problem. I might okay. Oh well. So you can you can check out their Twitter. They have like a long explanation sort of post. About why yeah, they ended I, up I down. thought that went for like quite a while. Like people were talking about it, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Eventually, but yeah. See, I'll I'll still have to figure out. Like another thing that I still need to figure out is how much people would be willing to pay, and like figuring out what people exactly want. So it's it comes back to understanding a bit more of the consumer base, why, right, and the demographic, and my ideal customer. Like, and it might make sense like two, three steps down the line that maybe I do want to take a full upfront payment. But right now, because it's it's always the best if I can create a deal that is like a no-brainer. Like if someone doesn't have to pay until they win and, and when they win, their only payment is a percentage of what they won. Like like it just makes so much sense. It's like if I offered your business your business will make 50,000 more dollars each year. And if you do do that, then you only have to pay me, you know, 10 K or 15 K uh, that year. Like it's a no brainer to accept it because if it doesn't work out, you'll pay nothing. And if it works out, you're making, you know, 35 more K that year. So like, like I, I want to really base it off something like that where it is such a no brainer deal. I'm, I'm very curious to see like, what you choose and where it all goes it's it's an ex, uh an area of commerce that i do not have much of any experience in i've seen a lot of different things work and i've seen a lot of different things not work so we'll see yeah i mean worst case scenario like things don't work out people don't end up paying um because right now my overhead is super low and i don't 
presume the overhead would increase dramatically um, once I start this. Like if I start doing email marketing, that's when I'm going to have to start building out some stuff that's going to cost some money. And I'm going to contract some writers, but that's irrelevant to this stuff. Like I already have the cash flow coming in, regardless of how this stuff works out to be able to fund that stuff. And I'm not going to go too high in overhead until this really like proves itself. Right. So like, I think I can run some test demos and be fairly safe in even feeling. Yeah. Thankfully you don't have like a super ton to lose except time. Those are kind of the best startups to start in. Right. Is where you're not yeah. like overly invested. There's not millions of investor dollars, you know, pulled in and then things go down the hill. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can definitely bootstrap it for now. And assuming it works well, I can 100% look for investors. The ideal situation would actually be to be acquired by a hiring agency. Because if I get picked up by a hiring agency, I'm essentially training the people that the hiring agency would be putting in, right? And the way hiring agencies work is that they already have a large database. So in that way, like the issues that I would run into if I had those two market streams, so if I was focusing on the companies and the individuals because I'll have a low number of individuals coming in and not a full database of people already. And it, it makes it really hard to fulfill the orders by the people or the companies rather. But if I was acquired by a hiring agency or if I partnership with the hiring agency, then it like makes a lot of sense because they already have a list of people where if someone fits better that I've already trained, then that like, like that partnership just makes so, so much sense. And I already have a relationship with someone and I'll probably have to speak to further uh, early 2021 from a hiring agency that works specifically in esports. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, one thing uh, I will say, um, actually, that that made it sound like I have a giant like argument or point to make. I I need to leave in about 10, 10 15 ish minutes, so just an FYI. Then I think it is a good time, unless anyone had anything else to speak to Leon stuff. Yeah. So, so my name is Leon, and I'm a new world streamer now. What's up? How are you? Uh, I have actually been streaming New World, uh, to pretty much Uzair, and that's mostly it. Uh, but no, in the past two weeks. Um, I've been reaching out to esports teams, trying to network with them, um, with opportunities to run tournaments on their behalf. Um, I've had most of the people just haven't replied, which is kind of what I expect at this point for any kind of like almost cold calling. Um, but I heard back from some, I was supposed to have two meetings last week and both of them no showed on me, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty lame. Yeah. Um, one of them is literally like, I, I was waiting there and like 10 minutes after we were supposed to meet, they emailed me like, Hey, something came up last minute. We can't do this. I'm like, I literally missed my brother's graduation for like his training that I've been helping him with for this. Like, that's, that's really cool of you. Dang. Um, yeah. So I gave them, you know, Oh, well maybe we can get back together next week. But I've. I, I don't know, little things like that. I'm like, I don't even like really want to work with you that much anymore. Yeah, it makes sense. So where where do you want to, like, are you still pushing this direction or, or where do you want to go from here? Um, I'm going to, so I'm going to continue pushing this direction. I, I am definitely in a point where I'm trying to like figure out like what, it, like combinations of like, what do I want to do versus what is like feasible to do? 
Um, because with, within my endeavors, I've tried like several different things and some of them worked out. Some didn't, some would work out for like shorter periods of time. Um, like right now I've been hosting tournaments for a while, but now that we're in like through August and September, a lot of people have gone back to school. They don't have as much time to be playing in this tournament. So some of my population has actually dwindled. Um, which means the like methods I was using to like reach out to people and grow my community aren't quite working as well anymore. Um, and I need to find other things. So I feel like um, sort of like networking with other like organizations rather than like trying to find like individual people that aren't as committed probably would work better. Um, but that's a very difficult endeavor in itself. Right. Trying to like network with people and especially trying to figure out like, well, what can I like offer them for them to like work with me? Um, yeah. E yeah. Whether we're talking about like a fair deal or even if I take like a slightly bigger hit than they do. Um, yeah. The, the, so, the biggest deal I've been figuring out is like networking problems. Yeah. And that'll just take probably a lot of a lot of time and persistence, right? To mm -hmm. to learn. But I'm curious. So you said that you've been streaming some New World. Like, do you think that you want to? Because like most of your time in here, you know, you've talked about um, was like tournament organizing, commentating, etc. Um, huh. Is content like a direction that you would think of heading? Um. Yes. I so I've tried doing like stuff on YouTube. Like I've tried doing like bigger videos for some of my tournaments. I've tried doing shorts. Um, YouTube shorts are still hit or miss. I've had some shorts where I post put them up and I literally will get one or two views. And then I have others of like a um, like a Valorant clip that'll get like a thousand. And I, I'm I I do not understand how it works. Um, similarly, like with TikTok, I, I get some TikToks I only get like a few hundred views on, but I've got a few in my profile now that have hit like a hundred thousand people reacting to it. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy the content. I enjoy, like, I enjoy Twitch, um, and the streaming parts of it. I would like to continue doing like tournaments and like esports and stuff, but, uh, I'm not sure like what direction to go. I think one of the biggest problems, and I've actually like realized this because I've been playing New World, is like a lot of these games, like I enjoy these games, like I can enjoy like League of Legends and Valorant, but I don't feel like I have like the huge passion for them that I really like should have for what I'm trying to do. Where do you think your passion is? Um, I at this point I don't even know. Um I definitely, like, I, I've been enjoying playing uh, the MMO. I enjoy, like, being able to, like, talk to, like, various people that come into my stream. Even, like, talking about just, like, gaming in general, I still enjoy. Um, I think trying to focus on these games, especially, like, whether it's from a tournament organization point of view or not, hasn't really been working. Um, and that's what I'm trying to figure out, if, how far I, like, want to continue. Or if I'm at a point where I need to, like, really be trying something else. I mean, because it doesn't it doesn't seem like I'm going to be getting my population of players back for a while because Google's not going to just stop. I mean, you can see where, you know, where streaming and content takes you. I just make sure if you do and if your goal is to grow, um, 
then make sure you offer something um, unique as much as you can, right? Um, like, it, especially with something like an MMO, right? You have to be, you have to stand out in some way, right? There, There's some very, you know, there's the people who are already popular, right? That are that play MMOs, right? Shroud, Asmongold, others. Um, but outside of those, if you want to be able to stick out, you've got to upload a lot of content to long form and short form, and you've got to find a way, whether it's your personality, your gameplay, right? Like I think someone that could probably do well and stand out and build, you know, at, at least somewhat of a name for themselves in New World it could be someone who just goes around and they do a ton of different like pvp voice trolling right like that is just one little niche that someone can make or you could make um you know you could be someone who does um i don't know tutorials on different like how to level up xp in different areas and just be very consistent and good at that you could do one based around new world like max leveling and then new world pvp and how that works but the thing is, is if you are just generically playing the game and if unless you have just a really, really out there personality, you know, if you're a Tyler one or, you know, someone else. Yeah, you know, I am way too low energy. <laughs> like that. Yeah, I, I think all, all of us probably are, too. You know, we're not we're not Tyler one. We're not some you know famous Minecraft player. If your personality isn't going to stand out, then you what you know what you make. And what you do has to stand out, right? So if you're just playing the game, like it's fun. And if, if you enjoy just streaming and playing the game, that's fine to, you know, enjoy and do. But if your goal is growth, then you have to offer something that is that is unique. So that is my advice in terms of that direction of things. Yeah. And, and that's part of why it's like a very like difficult and concerning thing. If this is even like a path I want to like seriously take. Because with like tournament organization, you run into problems of growing a community and especially prizing. Like people don't want to play in tournaments without a prize. So you, even if you're out there something small, it helps. But like that, that can really only last for so long on its own. Uh, but if you try like if I were to focus more on like streaming and that kind of growth, well now instead of money being a problem, it's just saturation. Right, like it. Like, I could try streaming stuff other than New World, even though that's what I'm playing right now. But the problem is, like, that's super saturated. Right? Like, there, there are going to be times it might be better to get in with things like Another Among Us, which is a social game. Um, and some people got really huge just by networking with bigger streamers. Um, yeah. That actually goes into the same problem with tournament organization, where now I have to network with, like, bigger people rather than lots of small people. It, it's not even that you have to network per se. I think the biggest thing right now, I think it's fair to assume that you're, the demand is there. Like there is a consumer base and people do want this kind of service. Like you have to, for sure, when it comes to anything that people want, um, you have, you're competing with the status quo essentially. So like, people can play the game on the, their own. Why would they play with you, right? So, but once you can sell them on the want, which is essentially your stream, it's your community, it's you know the enjoyment of having that competitive environment, and then also being remembered by name by this community that w meets up every week and we have a lot of fun. Like if you can sell that want, then the market is always there. Now it's a question of what your reach is, because that is that is obviously the biggest issue right now is that you just lack the reach to even 
sell people on the want and to get people to be your consumers. So like networking is one way that you're going to increase your reach. And obviously the teams and having teams as outlets because they already have their own reach and you can borrow their own reach to increase your own. So like doing things like that is going to get you the biggest reach. Like if you think about it from what you've done so far, like the past year that you've run your tournaments, the reason why they ran well was because you had Battlefy's reach and then you saturated that market and then you didn't pivot. So then you're, you didn't grow too much because of the saturation. Like you're obviously growing a few more people that were looking at the site, but now it's a question of how, how can you increase your reach? And I, I feel like the teams thing is a good, good idea to do that because of what we've discussed last time. But if there's other ways that you can think about it, because I think, I don't think right now, I mean, there's definitely more ways that you can work to increase the want of people and to increase the market because the like the League of Legends, Valorant, whatever game you choose, the market is there because people play it and then converting them into them wanting it is definitely a possibility or definitely very easy to do, especially with the unique way you run tournaments. It's just a matter of increasing that reach. Yeah. Um... Like I said, I'm I'm gonna keep doing this. Um because I, I like I haven't well, I guess I've had two bad experiences, but me just reaching out to them, like I, I spend more time actually like searching through like LinkedIn or Twitter to find like people to reach out to than anything else. Um But yeah, I, I guess it runs into an issue of how how long do I keep trying something before I know like okay, well I need to try something else. Yeah, before you pivot. And that's a that can be a tough judgment call, right? Because, like, as, as for like, I'm I'm an example, right? Of I'm I'm you know pivoting now towards like IRL content, and I've done gaming content off and on for over a year before this, right? And it's something I still enjoy, you know, playing games. I still enjoy making clips and stuff, right? But, um, at the end of the day, I realized like I don't know if I want to do this, you know. Like, uh, well, I, I think a huge thing I realized, too, was let's imagine this does take off. I don't know if I want to play games, you know, and stream eight hours a day. I actually I, I enjoy playing games. I enjoy getting clips. But honestly, right now, I probably play uh, around an hour ish of games a day. And if I go anywhere over like three, I kind of get like tired. I don't really enjoy it. And so I was like, well, I don't know if I want to do this long term, like all day, every day. And so that was something that made me, you know, switch. So and I was just thinking, like, if it took off and, you know, maybe you have to think, oh, if tournaments take off, do I really want to be managing and running tournaments, you know, every day? If it's your true passion, I, th I think what you want to try to discover is what you're really passionate about, at least, you know, not day to day, but, you know, maybe year to year. Right. I know at least as of this last year or so, I've been really passionate about self-improvement. So I decided to, you know, make a channel in that realm. And I think, you know, I think the decision to pivot should be based on a lot of things. Um, but one of them should be what you are interested and passionate about, right? Because it can be tough to work on something a lot and to pivot to something that you aren't, you're kind of interested in, but you don't really want to spend that much time on. Right. It's much easier. If you already, your mind is already passively heading in that direction, right? So for you, I would guess just, you know, try to figure out what that is, whether that's tournament organization, whether it's not. Yeah. Um, 
I, I feel like I've had like, I, I think I actually could name like seven people in the past two weeks that have asked me like, what are like long-term goals? Like one year, five year, 10 years. And I just, I still don't even have an answer. I don't even know like what I want to be doing anymore. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like I've had quite a few like failed endeavors for so long that like a lot of my confidence is just kind of shot. So I'm, I'm kind of just kind of standing here trying to figure stuff out. It's not necessarily very productive either. But. It's true. Just remember persistence is key, right? Because if, you know, you stand in one place too long or just like, oh, too many have failed. I'm, I'm done, right? Well, you'll be, you'll, you'll, you won't go anywhere, right? It, with your goals, you know, that, you know, that, that's been definitely been me in the past, thankfully for not like super long. Um, there've been periods of time and I wasn't, I didn't give up per se, but more, I was just like, eh, I'll do that later. You know, in college, I wanted to do YouTube, but to be fair, I was pretty busy in college, but I did have time to play games, right? Quite a bit of time. Um, yeah, you know, I was in a pretty difficult degree as in a computer science degree. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, I look back, I'm just like, man, even if I'd taken only half the time that I played games, like I still play games hung with friends and I took only half the time investing in the games and put it into other things, uh, put it into like YouTube or something, I would probably have gotten to the point where I'm doing YouTube full time, you know, because that was six years ago. Um, and it's great whenever I think about that, you know, it helps drive me to be like, no, I need to, you know, put my head down and get to work. Right. And I don't, you know, right now I have, you know, that it's not like a huge regret, right. Cause hindsight is 2020, but I don't want to, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to be looking back five years from now and regret that I didn't at least try something. Right. I think there's a famous quote from someone I'm forgetting who it's from, but they say, I would rather have tried and failed than not tried at all because you learn so much from failing and you learn so much in general. And frankly, your time is a whole lot more rewarding when you're working towards something, even if that thing doesn't work out. So I'd encourage you to just keep, keep looking for new things and keep being persistent and, you know, maybe trying your, maybe finding your passion requires you trying, you know, going outside your comfort zone and trying a whole bunch of different things. Right. That's how, you know, I found, you know, things I've really enjoyed doing is finding things that, you know, oh, who would have known I like martial arts, right? I didn't, I couldn't care less about martial arts, right? Or whatever the thing is, um, you know, going outside your comfort zone, discovering new things is how you discover whether you enjoy or actually have a passion for something in the first place. But if you never try those things, right, it's just like trying new food. You'll never know if you like a food. Unless you've tried it, right? Or I mean, if you try something super similar, right? Anyways, that was I, my uh, encouragement TED talk. I'd actually disagree with uh, fierce. Okay, so no, there's there's two elements to it. I'll I'll address the disagreement first. Is what fierce is suggesting is that you look into what you're passionate about. Unless I'm misquoting you, obviously, fierce, but I don't believe I am. Um, but if I am, let me know you're saying is essentially he should look at what he's passionate about and then pivot in terms of what makes him want to keep going, what keep, keep on pushing and, you know, really just light a fire behind his behind essentially. 
But yeah, I mean, that that's definitely part of it. I don't think you should pivot only based on that. But I think pivoting onto what you're passionate about can be very helpful. I, I would I would disagree in this context because the issue right now, I know Leon and Leon enjoys the tournaments. I, I can say that much, even if it's yes, not I like do. the most, most fun thing he could be doing in his, his, his entire life. The bigger disagreement I have, though, is if he's because right now the biggest issue is that he's lacking mark or ability to market himself and uh, like he has this big problem right this big bowler that, that's in his way and if he pivots because this big bowler is in his way well it's going to create a habit of next time he runs something and he has this big problem that he can't get around he's going to pivot again or the solution should be in this situation he keeps trying and because like the most learning he's gonna get is once he figures out how to resolve this issue once he goes through it and like there is a way we know the key issue right now at least from my biggest understanding and i believe leon you would second this uh, sentiment is that right now your biggest struggle is reach and it's uh having people even come through your site come through your um battlefly and even sign up to your tournament like the retention doesn't matter right now it is reach and there's many, many ways, like you mentioned, networking is one of them. Social media is another that you're also working on. Figuring out what that reach solution is. And if you solve this issue, and then you re realize that this business model just doesn't work in general, or you really don't want to do this, then I think it's safe to pivot. But I don't think right now, because he's running into an issue, that, he, that it is a good idea to pivot because of the issue. Because that's going to create a mentality of pivoting every time an issue runs up. And, and I say this because I've fell victim to this multiple, multiple, multiple times. In fact, writing this book, there's been many times I've kind of wanted to stop because it's so, you know, dreadful to go through. But I know, but like I actually spoke to a mentor of mine, uh, a professor at Lambton College. He made a really good point that he noticed I did this with multiple different things where I would, I would get really passionate about starting something, working on something. The moment it came to a close moment, I was going to cash in. The moment I ran into big problems, I would just pivot because that was it for me. I just wanted to start something else where that's why I prescribe that you don't do that. Um, but into Fierce's sentiment, I do agree in the sense that you shouldn't give up per se, especially because of your defeats. Like my first business venture failed. So the association at high school, we were supposed to be a nonprofit corporation. My second one failed. My third one failed. My fourth one succeeded, but I only, I didn't make a large degree of money as a consultant. So, but I, but like, it took me that for those first three failures in order for the first one, the fourth one to actually work. And I'm still running, I'm still moving forward, even though, as we mentioned, my business model might not work out. So I wouldn't like, like when I, every time I failed, it was because a lot of times I just kind of gave up in all honesty, because it got really hard. That's why again, and that's what he was mentioning to me as well, because he noticed that while I was in Lambton college, like I just kept running away from problems. So I don't think you should do that, but I don't think you should keep the mentality that you're losing. You should just, you know, because it's unproductive. If nothing else, it's, it's not going to help you. So what, what I need to clarify, because I was meaning to say that. And in terms of like deciding what to pivot on, if you had already decided to pivot, I wasn't necessarily meaning that maybe, maybe I came across the wrong way as, Hey, you should pivot. I was meaning all of that as in, if you've, you know, you've come to the decision, right, you know, if, if you're not sure this is for you, if, if, you know, you've come to, you know, um, you know, you set a time frame and in that time frame hasn't worked out, blah, blah, blah. There's a bunch of different reasons to, you know, to come to the conclusion to pivot. But if you have, 
then that was my advice of, as to what to pivot to. I'm not necessarily, I'm not trying to suggest that you pivot just, oh no, you know, I'm running into this problem. I should just pivot. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying, if you come to that conclusion, that was kind of my decision making as to what to pivot on. So I hope that like clarifies because, because everything you just said, I agree with you, Zero. Like you shouldn't really run away from problems. You should have more set, you know, standards for when and how and if to pivot at all. You shouldn't just do it based on, oh, I've run into a, a couple roadblocks. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I've been doing lately, I don't know if either of you like know much about like Dota 2 or the international that goes on. Oh my gosh, the international fiasco, you mean? Of uh, uh well <laughs> we, we we could have a we could have a long conversation about everything that's gone on and like the fake cheering and stuff, which is a little weird, but um one of the things I, I really like the idea of are the the like the casters, the people that actually like they they get to they, they just sit there, they get to talk about a game, they talk about something they enjoy, they get to have their face on things. I think that's really cool. That's something I would like to do. But one of the problems, again, going back to passion is I like I can talk about Valorant. I don't know if I have the passion to, like, get myself up there as like an expert or a big, like, well-known person at that. And I would say the same for League of Legends. I'd say the same for Dota, even though these are games that I, I like enjoy. Um, I, I don't feel like I have that one that would also be really helpful. Um, but I don't know that there is like a position that exists like that for someone like generally speaking uh, i know that i know of well not not currently but i've known of in the past couple months um uh of a bunch of places looking for people to commentate things so um that you know those could be ways for you to you know head that direction try those out but again like it is yeah, it, it depends on what, you know, what do you think is the um, the criteria for you to stick around in tournament organization versus pivot to something else? Like what what do you think outlines whether or not you stay in it? Right. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's my question. Um. I don't feel like I can give like a very precise answer to that. I feel like part of like the general answer is like an exhaustion of options or like a absolute, like something happens and I just absolutely have no interest in continuing this, which I am, which I am not at. Um, but yeah, it, it's just me trying to like figure out stuff. And if you, um, yeah, I don't know if you have any like links or websites for like people that are looking for casters, but that's something I'd at least be interested in looking at. That actually sounds um, like a website that should exist and might not exist. That is a great website. You should start here. All right. Yeah. There it is. I, I finished it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually kind of wonder if that does exist because I know of plenty of little like attorneys, you know, whether it's, you know, five viewers or a hundred viewers where they're just smaller things, but they, um, some of them, cause I, I, way back i casted one tourney and i got messages from tons of different places and people hey can you guys this like bro i don't even really know how i did this for some friends and then all of a sudden people are interested in having me as a caster that was over a year ago but still i was like huh there's a crazy and then like even six months after i'm like everybody forgot i had a couple dms people asking me to 
to do it. And I was just like, people even remember that. Um, it's not like I was particularly, you know, good or anything, you know, I was just winging it. So I feel like there's some demand there because there's plenty of people want to run in houses or little tournaments mm-hmm. or whatever. And having someone who knows has knowledge of the game and commentate, I think there's some hidden demand there. I think it's just hard to discover where that is because most people, when they have that, they just kind of ask around their small group. Yeah. Uh, when I ran a bunch of tournaments, I always looked for commentators never found them so i 100 percent could see a value in a site like that assuming you made it <laughs> it's true yeah assuming it actually came to fruition and existed yeah because there well there's a few websites we could name like i use battlefy but websites to like organize tournaments um but i don't know about websites for like other like i'm gonna say like related positions if that makes yeah. sense casters casters and spectators actually people who are good at spectating in apex or in valorant or in csgo or whatever i feel like those are some positions that very few people even get the chance to learn so people who know them really well are probably in demand but a lot of them probably just don't know that they're in demand right Oh yeah, that that was actually something I um I like figured out after I started doing this. Is I would like knew the game well enough to actually like cast and talk about things. Like I even by myself, I can just keep keep going and talking about stuff with like very little like silence. But to be able to like actually control the camera and keep track of where everything is on the map, given you have like a lot more information available than you do when you're playing the game, was its own like separate thing. Um and even after doing this for like a few months. I would still have like people in chat. It's like, hey, could you try doing this? I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even think about like doing that. Like, could you wa- you know watch this angle? I'm like, oh, well, that actually, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's action there. So that's like a separate skill that I don't think anybody like really thinks of. Yeah, well, since since you need this side to exist, why don't you make it, Leon? <laughs> He's not a programmer like you. Ah, uh, you can learn. Uh, it's not not that hard. <laughs> i i have my my programming experience is like industrial robots kind of stuff nothing that's fun or mostly like useful to most people no that then you could learn something that's you could learn it that's fun trust me what what i do day to day is by far a lot more difficult than setting up like a site for people to find other people on it is like that 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 kind of programming is I don't want to say it's completely easy, but it is like I'm not I'm not like amazing at programming. And that would be something that, you know, if I but the the main reason I haven't done, you know, something in programming or software as a service like this outside of it is frankly because I don't enjoy programming all that much, especially after I do it 40, 45 hours a week. Um, you know, I think I would enjoy programming a whole lot more and probably my side projects would be in programming and building stuff like that if i wasn't already doing it as a job and after that much hours put into it per week i'm just i want to do things with the other talents i feel like i have yeah that's, that that's makes fair. A lot of sense. yeah and your yeah. youtube channel covers that base really well yeah that's i mean that's kind of the focus right is to focus on the self-improvement there but you know, I could definitely see like in a future where my my main job, my full time job is doing like YouTube and content, me building like my 
my side hustle, so to speak, at that point might be building a software as a service because then that would be a whole lot more engaging. It'd be nice if I could find a job where I built individual software as a services for like a company because then I could learn that, right? Because both of my jobs have been like working for a company that's technically a software as a service, but I'm this tiny, tiny piece out of, you know, thousand, like a thousand devs. It'd be cool if they, you know, I worked for a company that did, you know, hey, no, you individually set up, you have, you have three months to set up the software for a service for us. Because then I would know all the all the tips and tricks and tools to making a software as a service and then could pretty easily do it on my own. But it would I would have to learn a whole other set of of skills to build one outside of my current job. And it's just, I don't like to think of code outside of the 40 hours a week I currently work on it. I don't love programming that much or frankly much at all, but anyways, I've got a, I've got a head you guys. So I don't know if we want to call it here. If you guys have got more, but I need to head out in the next minute or two. I already went kind of over what I'd planned to leave. I think, I think I'm pretty good. Okay. We can call it a wrap here then. Um, Sounds like we got some good conversations. Uh, very interested in seeing the video first, and I'm also interested in hearing how the team outreach works out for you, Leon. I, I strongly believe, again, I'll, I'll say this again, I strongly believe that this makes sense, um, but I am like I might be completely wrong or completely off the base with this, but let's see how it turns out, and then we'll touch base again in two weeks, and then you know if we need to figure out what the next steps are, we'll do that together. Yeah, I, I'm going to continue. I might switch out like the targets that I'm like reaching out to a bit, um, and just see if like that's part of the problem. Is I'm just not like reaching out to the correct crowd. But yeah, that could be. Yeah, it. I'll I'll keep all of this in mind too. Okay, well that is great, guys. I'll see you in two more weeks. All right. Yeah. See you. See you both. Bye.